MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. I'm chatting with Mia Krichler, director at Kruger International. Mia, appreciate the time today. This was a year, I mean, if I look at the local equity market, this, even in the US, it was a year where there were some big winners, there were a year when there were some big losers, it really was a, a stock picking year. On the win side, what were some of the stocks that really stood out for you? Morning, Simon. Yes, well, the, the clear winners here have been the, the sort of the tech, tech heavy stocks uh, with strong balance sheets. And those have been the ones that we've been seeing uh, driving the markets higher, especially in the US. Uh, you mm. know, the FANG stocks, that's uh, the broader definition of the FANG stocks have really driven the markets to where we see them today. But just over the last week or so, we've seen that breadth in the market really change, where uh, those stocks have underperformed the broader market, and the broader market has actually sort of caught up, which is a really good sign uh, for, for broader market movement going into 2024. That is a great point, because there has been, and, and, and particularly, I mean, you know, the Fangs, the Magnificent Seven, were doing all the heavy lifting. We're seeing that broadened, not only in the S&P, but even sort of in the mid-caps in, 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 in the U.S., where where suddenly there's there's they they they're gaining some some exposure and there's some great stocks there at what are actually now really good prices. Yes, absolutely. And you know, I just think going into into 2024, uh, coming from this year where we've had the uh, the last six weeks on the U.S. markets have been phenomenal. They've really driven the markets higher. It's the longest uh, winning streak that we've seen on the S&P 500 mm. since 2020, 2019, uh, which is quite some time. That's before COVID, if you <laughs> if you don't remember. <laughs> but um, but the fact is, the South African market was unfortunately hit by various other uh, negative effects. Uh, you know, we've seen that uh, the market here locally not performing as well as we've seen globally. And it's been sort of a, a catch-22 situation where we've seen uh, investors, foreign investors selling South African equities. We've been seeing South African equities being dropped from broader indices on the, yeah. on the global side. And that's uh, creating additional pressure on the, on the selling of those stocks. And it's really just looking uh, very difficult to see how it's going to turn around uh, very soon on the South African side. And I mean, uh, there are various uh, opinions out there due to the fact that the local equities do look um, attractively priced, but it could be for a reason. Having said that, we know that uh, the the dependency on ESCOM is becoming less and less with the amount of solar installations mm. and all those other renewable projects that we're seeing people take on themselves firstly and then uh, some of the companies taking it on themselves and really uh, lightening the load on ESCOM in the first instance. And that could uh, a very, very small change in terms of energy production in South Africa and dependency or, or a rather um, hindrance by load shedding could really uh, just create a, a economic growth from a very low base. So there are sort of green shoots that could materialize over the next two years in the South African economy, not due to us being a, a fabulously um, expanding economy, but yeah. rather just the base effect, uh, the low, low base effect that we're coming off. So those are, are sort of green shoots that could benefit our market, but that's not my um, my first focus. I'd rather 
rather have a much broader market exposure going into next year, uh, predominantly focused on global equities more so than South African. Yeah, and, and I take your point. I mean, just a few gigawatts of renewables, suddenly load shedding disappears. And for example, ShopRite saves 100 million a month on, on, on diesel costs. On the loser side, it was commodity stocks, left, right and center. The biggie being Sabanya Stillwater, a stock we've, both, we've spoken about a bunch, certainly we've both held at a time. How are you looking at the stock right now? I mean, the commodity cycle is at the, the bottom. It is a, a scary place in the cycle, but you and I have seen this before. They've got good assets. Your take on Sabania? Yes, once again, I mean, it's an unfortunate story that was very geography and specific risks that they were exposed to. I mean, obviously, if you do a mining business in South Africa, you are exposed to a very broad range of risks. And we've seen that with Sabanya. Sabanya mm. has been negatively affected by all of those. And then, of course, the, the, the main driver, the commodity prices, have also affected them negatively over the year. So a bad year, losing half their, their, their market cap value over the last 52 weeks. But the fact is they have diversified. South Africa still remains uh, with Marikana and all the, the big uh, uh, platinum group metal assets in South Africa remains the largest driver of revenue. Around 65% of their revenue is still from South Africa. But over 30% comes from those assets of theirs in the U.S. that focus on the recycling. And then, of course, we know about the acquisitions and the, the mm-hmm. assets they've been accumulating in Europe focusing on battery technology. And over the longer term, even though those are still very small in their in their life that could really benefit this company uh, going forward from a valuation perspective they are not not expensive you're buying these assets at less than book value uh, so that's a positive and then you're paying about four four and a half times uh, earnings for these shares so it's not very expensive but that's sort of a theme that we've seen as you say in this very cyclical commodity cycle before attractive dividend yield despite the fact that they find themselves in a very tough economic condition in South Africa they still pay a dividend yield the past year they've paid nearly 8% to Mm. shareholders despite what the price have done so if you're an investor not a speculator uh, you know, you shouldn't, dis- and if you have the stomach to invest in commodities, then you should ride the cycles or you should be uh, sort of trying to time them perfectly. And that's very difficult as both of us know, <laughs> timing the market. Uh, but the dividend yield has been attractive and the uh, the potential of the company going forward. They're still one of the largest producers of platinum group uh, metals in South Africa. It is not a commodity or commodities that we that the, the world has unlimited supply of. Mm. Uh, so these are, are positives for the company over the longer term, but definitely a lot of pain felt in the short term. Yeah, and trying to time it, I, I, I've given up on that. Uh, renewable, <laughs> you, you mentioned a moment ago, Sabanya's in that space. We've chatted renewable energy as a, as a global in- investment theme. We haven't chatted it in a while, but it, it, it is a booming space, and it's a space that certainly you've been looking at for many years now. Yes, no, Simon. I mean, it's a space that's also benefited our, our investors and our funds enormously. We've been invested in, amongst others, the Titsikama Community Wind Farm. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, some fiber infrastructure projects. And then we also have a uh, in- investment in uh, Gaia Renewables, which is uh, it's focused on uh, 
supplying uh, good businesses in South Africa with renewable energy and uh, without them having to do the capital layout for that. So these projects have been very beneficial to, to our investors. These projects are normally very long-term earnings contracts and that makes them uh, more stable in terms of volatility for a portfolio. It gives you the upside of uh, returns uh, quite a bit higher than you normally see in bonds. And so you're getting, uh, you know, growth asset-like returns at very low volatility, which is a great diversifier in any portfolio. So we've been very happy with those exposures in our funds. Due to the fact that it is such a interesting market the last couple of years where we've seen interest rates uh, at, a, at a low just about 18 months ago. So um, many of these developers who normally sold on the, the holdings of these renewable projects to focus on new projects were in the position to refinance very cheaply and keep their, 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 their positions in those, in those assets. And that actually made the market quite mm-hmm. tight. So these projects were, weren't easy to come by and it was quite difficult to source these projects. And of course, being such a, a global uh, focus and trend, and in South Africa even more so with load shedding, uh, it is quite hard to come by these these good projects at a decent price these days. But uh, thankfully, we have a, a decent allocation uh, to these uh, renewable projects in our funds. You mentioned bonds there. You and I have never spoken bonds. We've always talked equities. But we've been seeing some decent yields in bonds. I mean, even you know the U.S. was what the tenure was at 5% one time. Our local government bonds are, are double digits. Is this a sector you've been adding or, or, or are you just sticking with equities? Yes, no, most definitely. I mean, funny enough, bonds is actually looking um, is actually kind of looking more, more attractive than any other asset <laughs> class at the moment. If you look on a global space, also it's been a great uh, opportunity again for a balanced and a diversified mm-hmm. portfolio to to expand that exposure again into yielding assets uh, on a global stage where we haven't had that for many years uh, on the on the global side. So that is really uh, 2022. 2023 were two years where we say, uh, saw a normalization in how bonds uh, should react by the textbook. And, um, and that really makes it a little easier again to do asset allocation in a balanced portfolio. And yeah, as I say, these, uh, these assets, these yielding assets and interest-bearing assets do look quite attractive on, a global, on the global front as well as on the local side. So we do have a, a good allocation to interest-bearing assets. Yeah, but certainly that 60-40 classic portfolio certainly started to look attractive for the first time in a while. Mia Krichler, Director, Kruger International, always appreciate the insights. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlip Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider.